Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Ed Robertson, welcoming you to this week's edition of TV Confidential Radio Talk Show about television. Harry Shearer will join us in our second hour. Harry Shearer, Emmy Award winning actor, author, director, comedian, musician, political satirist, and voice artist extraordinaire. Harry Shearer, the voice of Mr. Burns, Ned Flanders, Smithers, and many, many other characters on The Simpsons, while Spinal Tap fans know Harry Shearer as bass player Derek Smalls. We'll talk to Harry about the origins of Spinal Tap and whether there may be, maybe, another reunion in the works, what with the 40th anniversary of the release of This Is Spinal Tap, not too far away. We will also ask Harry who his influences as a comedian were, as well as when he first discovered his gift for creating voice characters, as well as mimicking other voices. Harry Shearer is also the host of a very interesting radio program called Les Show. Les Show, a heady mix of biting satire, probing interviews, comedy sketches, political satire, and eclectic music that Harry has been doing on top of all the other things he does as an artist. Harry has been doing Lay Show for 38 years. We'll talk about that and more when Harry Shearer joins us in our second hour. We hope you stay tuned for that. Also in our second hour, we will say hello to Tony Winters. Tony Winters, the actor known to cable TV audiences as Clive, the owner of the High Yellow Restaurant on the Oprah Winfrey Network series, Queen Sugar, as well as the principled Mayor Wilkins, on HBO's Silicon Valley. Tony Winters recently made his debut as a director, directing an episode of Two Degrees, the series, in which he also appears on screen. We'll ask him what it was like to direct himself on his very first directorial effort. We'll also talk about his new movie, National Champions, which opens in theaters across the country on Wednesday, November 24th. Tony Winters will join us in our second hour. Be able to stay tuned for that as well. In the meantime, we'll lead off our first hour by playing part two of a conversation that began last week with our friend James Rosen. James Rosen, actor, author, and publisher. Jim's books as an author include behind-the-scenes oral histories of Naked City, Peyton Place, Route 66, and other great shows from the 60s and 70s that you can find at Jim's website, Classic tvseriesbooks.com. The latest release from classic tvseriesbooks.com is The Many Faces of Nehemiah. The Many Faces of Nehemiah. The memoirs of Nehemiah Persoff, one of the greatest and one of the most versatile character actors of the 20th century. Nehemiah Persoff shares many great stories of working with the likes of Barbara Streisand, John Wayne, Charles Lawton, Lee Strasberg, Humphrey Bogart, and many, many others in The Many Faces of Nehemiah, The Many Faces of Nehemiah, the story of Nehemiah's Persoff's life and career on stage, film, and television, as well as his second career, or his second act, I should say, the 25 years he spent as a painter and sketch artist when he retired from acting at the age of 70. You can learn all about that. The Many Faces of Nehemiah, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com. You can also view some of the paintings that Nehemiah Persoff has done over the years at OfficialNehemiahPersoffPaintings.com, OfficialNehemiahPersoffPaintings.com. 
Stageactors.com. I want to go back to a point we were talking about, about how not all stage actors were able to make that transition from stage to work in film and television while they're also, you know, appearing on stage. Because they're, look, you know this, they're different styles. Uh, When you act for the stage, you're often projecting out to, whether you're in a large theater or an intimate 99-seat theater, you're projecting out so that the audience can hear your performance, whereas acting for the camera is often much more subtle. And I understand Nehemiah first Learn that difference uh, working with Humphrey Bogart. Yeah, that's an interesting story. Yeah, I, I, I'll leave that for the readers, but yes, it's a very... <laughs> very good. Fair, fair, no, I, I, I want people to read this book, too. So Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I, I, I'll say this. Uh, the, the reason why you bring that up is because, uh, and, and you agree with me, I think he was very brash. Yes. Uh, and maybe feeling his Cheerios because he was a working actor on Broadway to go and challenge the director, Mark Robson, about whether uh, Bogart showed this one in the, in the shot, in the scene that he did with him or didn't show it. <laughs> and he learned his lesson. You know, he went to dailies. <laughs> yes. He, he, he... I, I mean, you, would, you would agree with me. I think it was, I was taken a little back. I said, wow, I would never do what he did. But, you know, and in, in, in bringing that up to the director. But he learned something by doing that, yeah. Yeah, there there are many lessons, and he's very candid when he talks about stuff. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. And he, he liked Bogart very much. I think Bogart liked him, you know. I think they got along very well, according to what he said. And, uh, and Rod Steiger uh, uh, took a shine to Nick. Actually, it was Rod Steiger that recommended him for the role. Uh, based on after working with him at the studio and uh, and on the waterfront and that much imitated cab driver scene. Yes, there's a very there's uh, a very there's yeah. a very very funny story involving Nick uh, Steiger and Marlon Brando, but we will leave that for readers to discover when yes. we pick up. Yeah, you don't always love to the fraternity that existed between actors. Uh, you know, especially uh, especially at the time uh, Nick was coming in uh, onto the scene, there was an esprit de corps among actors during that era, especially the early era of uh, live television. Especially, there was an esprit de corps among actors that you don't see as much today. No, no, and the actor studio was was an amazing place at that time because they really uh, Ilya Kazan, along with uh, Cheryl Crawford and Bobby Lewis created it and they decided they were going to pick the creme de la creme of New York actors to become members of the actor studio and work on projects and, and, uh, you know, further their craft. And a lot of people auditioned and, uh, the ones that were accepted as members, uh, lifetime members were really highly talented. And when you read, uh, of his uh, classmates, uh, uh, you recognize all the names. They were people that went on to have very good careers in film and television and were the real deal. Uh, but I marvel at the, the just the fraternity because, you know, when you think about the concept of acting, you work intimately and emotionally with people for maybe a short period of time. You become close, and then you, you go your way, they go theirs, and most times you don't have contact with them again for a very... Uh, long period of time, if ever again, because of the nature of, of the business and life. Yeah, you become as close as a blood relative 
um, especially exactly, especially yeah. if you're working yeah. on a motion picture where you're working on a picture for eight weeks, ten weeks, you become very, very close. Yeah. And because of the, the often transient nature of the profession, you may not, it may be 30, 40 years before you see each other again, and it may be in a venue just such as Mank or the Williamsburg Nostalgia Festival. Yeah, I remember once I, I, I think after I saw Waterfront, I asked him about Brando and did he ever see him and because they were, you know, he was very friendly with Brando's sister, Jocelyn Brando, who was also an actress. She was yeah, very... she was on Dallas. She played Sue Ellen's, uh, she, she, was the, she was John Ross Ewing III's babysitter during the second season. Oh, really? Yeah, she did a lot of work over yeah. the years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he would go to dinner at her house. Uh, her husband was a member of the studio, too, an actor named Don Hamner. And, Brand, and Marlon Brando would come over, and the four of them would, you know, fraternize. So he got got to know Marlon fairly fairly well, I guess. And uh, I said, "Do you ever see him years later?" He said, "No, not really. Once he said, and he was walking down the street at 20th Century Fox. I think he was probably doing some like it hot, and I think Brenda was there uh, doing some work on the stage for Mutiny on the Bounty. I think I think that was about the right time frame. And he walks past this trailer. He said, and all of a sudden, the door flings open." And someone goes, Nick, yo, Nick. And he turns around and it's uh, Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> so Brando, I hadn't seen him in, I don't know, I've, I've six, seven, eight years, I don't know. So he waves him back, so Nick goes back and, he, and Brando invites him into the trail and they sit and they drank, drank a, a glass of wine and talked about the old days. And I thought that was really nice that, you know, that, uh, as you said, you establish a bond with somebody and even though a, a period of time passes, there's still that immediacy when you encounter them again. Nick Persoff shares a lot of insight into not only the actor's studio, but the various teachers that he learned from, which, which included Strasberg, which included Stella Adler, what he learned from all of them, and some of the various uh, exercises that uh, a, a young actor would learn at the actor's studio and how sometimes it, it took a while for him for those for those lessons to resonate until many many years later there's a great story we'll tease this we want people to learn about it by picking up a copy of the many faces of nehemiah all i'll say is there is a character he had to play in richard the third who was heinous and nick had to do i mean we won't we won't give it away but it it involved in in order to to get to where to what he needed to do in order to play that character on stage in Richard the Third, Nick Nick recruited the help of two kittens to get him to where he was. That's all. That's all we'll say. Yeah, that was. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah, yeah it, it's a difficult story to read, and it, it is. Yeah. It is difficult. Yeah. yeah, but but again, it, it is part of the fabric of the many faces of Nehemiah, which you can find. ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com Stay with us, folks. We'll be right back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
you can meet Jim Rosen at the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest, November 11th through November 13th in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, WilliamsburgNostalgiaFest.com. We'll talk about Jim's other two books in just a second, but first I want to ask you, you know this as a writer, sometimes it takes you a while before you're ready to tell a story, before you're ready to write about that story and release it as a book. You've known Nick Persoff for the better part of 40 years. You're still in touch. You've heard many of these stories that are included in the book. You've heard many of the stories that are not included in the book. Was there any one thing that spurred you to convince him to uh, share these stories as a book? It's hard for me to single out any one thing. It just it was such um, a cumulative list of things that, and, and all of the people that he met and interacted with and talked about and all the places that he went all over the world and filming uh, particularly movies that it just motivated me to do the book. I, I think that's, that's the only way I could answer that. I, I'd be, I hard, be hard put right now to come up with one uh, single thing. Well, it's really, it's, uh, it's just a uh, cumulative body of work. And, and, and look, I, yeah. I, I have limited interaction with Nehemiah Persoff because of Jim. And the things I've learned about him crystallized as a result of reading his, his life story in his own words. I would imagine it probably took a few, it probably took a little prodding to get him to agree to do this. But whatever it took for you to get him to agree, I'm glad you did. This is a wonderful book. Well, thank you. I, yeah, I mean, I kept after him. I, I just felt that uh, <laughs> it would, would make a good, uh, a good book. And I, th- I thought that it would... Uh, appeal to a myriad of people and uh you know he was busy writing this screenplay called under the eucalyptus about a dreamer it's a very interesting uh story it's i guess you could say it's kind of a romantic comedy but or serial comic and i think it has a lot of merit and it's uh, on a subject that has not been touched on and he was very immersed in that and uh i would say nick you got to write your your memoirs oh i don't know and you know, I was talking about this to a man at, at age 100. So yeah. I, I, I kind of lost sight of that. Then I realized, well, wait a minute. You know, he has so much energy. And then when he finished the script, one day he said to me, uh, I sat down, I've been writing about uh, what we talked about. And even then when he said that, I wasn't sure he would ever finish it. And throughout the course of a year, he finally got it all down. And then, you know, we began the process of, of deleting things and adding things and rearranging things and, and became like a casserole. And out of that came, came the book. And uh, it was uh, like like everything else we talked about, a lot of work, but uh, I, I think it's very worthwhile. And I it amazes me sometimes that he was able to do this at his age and that, and remember all these things because I sometimes have trouble remembering five minutes later what I was thinking of before, you know. Well, as casseroles go, Jim, as casseroles go, the many faces of Nehemiah is delicious and very, very filling. It is a rich history of not only his life, Nehemiah Persoff's life, but a great capsule history of being a working actor in, in the 20th century on stage and on uh, film and television. The Many Faces of Nehemiah 
by Nehemiah Persoff, available ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com. Jim Rosen also recently published two novellas, Butterfly. Butterfly is the name of one. Bell Garden Beat is the name of the other. What can you tell us about Butterfly and Bell Garden Beat? Butterfly is a story about fear and misunderstanding people who may seem different than us. The protagonist is a young, sensitive, and gifted writer who lives in a small town. He does suffer from schizophrenia, but he has the potential to return to a normal life in the community. And uh, he's a handsome kid. He's a very sensitive and uh, a good person. And uh, he has that potential to rejoin the normal life in the community. But those plans appear dim when he's accused of manslaughter and he becomes the object of personal revenge, placing his life in jeopardy. That's basically a summation. It's a dramatic story, but it's uh, it's a very sensitive one, I think, and I'm proud of it. And I think with the right director, who's a good storyteller, and the right actors, I think this could work as a film for streaming. Bell Garden Beat is a, uh, a story about a police officer who's uh, to avoid disciplinary uh, charges. Uh, he's assigned to work by himself in a mini station. And he risks his life to really clean up the neighborhood and make it safe and give the streets back to the people. He really is a person with a lot of morality and integrity, and uh, he's also rough around the edges, which makes him interesting. But it's a story about the police and the citizenry acting together and cooperating and, and working alongside each other to make their streets safe again. It's an uplifting story. It's kind of an old-fashioned story because he's a policeman that pounds a beat. He doesn't drive in a squad car. And it has a, uh, like Butterfly, it has a a nice ending. I always believe in giving something back to the audience if I can because I ask them to take this journey with me. And in taking the journey, I don't want to uh, leave them with a uh, with a fed. It's important to give the audience some sort of emotional payoff at the end. I, I agree, yeah, yeah. Said by a fellow writer, so you appreciate what I said. Uh, yeah, the, I like to to leave them with a resolution of sorts and uh, make it worthwhile for their time spent. Both Butterfly and Bell Garden Beat, Butterfly and Bell Garden Beat, two novellas by James Rosen, both available ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, as is The Many Faces of Nehemiah Persoff, The Memoirs of Nehemiah Persoff, and Jim's own memoir, People, Places, and Me, The Many Faces of Nehemiah, People, Places, and Me, Bell Garden Beat, and Butterfly, all available ClassicTVSeriesBooks.com, as well as Amazon.com, wherever books are sold online. Jim Rosen, Always a pleasure to talk to you. I look forward to our next conversation. Thank you very much. I'll leave you with one thought, if I may. Go ahead. Uh, it uh, occurs to me now, as I grow older, I read something. It was a biblical quote, but it, it was meaningful to me and something I, I try to carry with me as I uh, continue to put one foot in front of the other. And that is, uh, blessed are, are those that seek wisdom and gain understanding, for that is of greater value than silver, and profit more precious than gold. Thank you, Ed. You can meet Jim Rosen at the Williamsburg Nostalgia Fest November 11th through November 13th in Williamsburg, Virginia. For more information, WilliamsburgNostalgiaFest.com. Greg Erbar will join us for a DVD report next. 
on TV Confidential. One more item if you love Ella Fitzgerald. Our friend Jeffrey Mark celebrates the music of the First Lady of Song every week on Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella. You can hear Jeffrey Mark Plays Ella on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you find podcasts. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at TV Confidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411. Or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.